When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome. Welcome back to Studio Secrets A to Z. I'm Anthony J. Resto, your host, and we're going to jump right into part two with Lenny Spent, The Legendary. We have to go into that album because, I mean, that that's, I mean, there's so many iconic songs on that. I mean, like mm-hmm. you can't drive, you can't drive from here to there without hearing the logical song or, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, that is such an iconic record. Can you tell us, like, where would, where do we start with that one? Well, what, where we start with that is yeah. um, uh, way back when I was in film school, but totally into music. I'm listening to all of these records like um, um, Gentle Giant and 10CC and, and Pink Floyd and and um, Rufus. And I'm just trying to think of Boss Gags. I'm trying to think of all the records that were big at this time when, yeah. breakfast, when Crime of the Century came out. And I heard Crime and I actually stood up and said, I want to make records that sound like this. And I had, I don't know where that came from, except it sounded so great. It made me say that. But I'd never been in a recording studio. I didn't know anything about that. I was, I was going to be a filmmaker. And, uh, but I heard that record, and it was so wonderful and perfect and played it you know you know you would play records over and over and over again and just dissect every single bit of it you know and um wow uh, so i knew that record so intimately and it was such an emotional record and so brilliant so years later um i was working on uh Gaucho by then assisting they came back you know yep. it's time for Gaucho after Asia and I'd done some other things in between and uh, and then Gaucho comes in and I just went you know I've done this I've done Steely Dan oh, I yeah. have my colleagues are all moving on and you know being independent engineers and not making you know assistant engineer money and yep. stuff they've moved on and I had moved on Two, except they wanted, you know, continuity, and I was still there, and so I started, but I just got, I can't do this anymore, yep. and uh, let somebody else have this adventure, and then I heard that Supertramp was coming in, and I went, <gasps> ah! and I Destin- ran up to Dick Palm's office again, yep. he's still my studio yep. manager, and I said, Dick, I... 
I need to be on this record. This is, they are the band. They are the reason why I want to become an engineer. Their, their record, Crime of the Century, and I'm going, oh, la, 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 la. I'm the perfect person for this. I know their music better than everybody. You want me to be on that record? And he says, well, that's really nice, but they don't want a girl. <laughs> that's awful. Er, you know, record scratch, yeah. you know, <laughs> slam on the brakes. I, I had never been told that before. Wow. That had never, ever come up in the two years I'd been there. And I was just flabbergasted or just devastated or just like in shock or mm -hmm. I couldn't believe I heard that. That had never been an issue. And um, working at a studio where four of the six assistants are women, it never occurred to me that that wasn't normal. Right. That that wasn't happening elsewhere. And uh, so I was just, you know. Floored. Well, and just mad, yeah. too. And I was going, that's not right. That, that can't be. That can't be. And, and so time was going on. You know, this was a few months before, and it was, yeah. and I kept saying, I'm the, I'm the one who should do this. I'm the one, you know, this is wrong. And uh, they said, well, you know, what can, uh, they're, the, they're the client we're here to serve. And so gone on and on and on. And then, you know, I'm holding out, holding out. And uh, it's a Friday night, and they're going to start on Sunday. And I went, you know, it's not going to happen. And so Robert Fleischman, my boyfriend at the time, we went out to the Pear Garden, which was a very popular uh, Japanese sushi bar in the music business on La Cienega. Went there and drank a lot of um, uh, Pear Garden specials and uh, with 151 rum and, and um, came home and, um, you know, drunk, mad, <laughs> drunk. Uh, and by that time, my roommate had quit the village and she had gone to work for the Supertramp's management office. <laughs> so... N not only do I walk in drunk, but in my living room is their manager and their head publicist, and you know, just rubbing my nose in it. And uh, so I just walk by and go to my room and pass out. And uh, it's about eight o'clock at night, and uh, the phone rings at ten o'clock, and I breaks me up out of my drunken stupor. And uh, uh, it's the studio manager. Uh, the booking person said, be in Studio B at noon on Sunday. You'll be working with Supertramp. And I was suddenly sober, totally sober, totally mm -hmm. sober, going, what happened? What? I said, well, the one guy available didn't want to do it because it was going to be for seven months. And I went, yes. Wow. Yes. So that, and so they said, so be there. Okay, great, thanks. Oh, boy. So I walk back through the little room, hey, hi, and uh, <laughs> go get my orange juice, you know, because I'm dehydrated, and, but I'm happy and sober now. Incredible. And, and uh, yeah, so the so Sunday comes along, and I show up, and, and um, they had this wonderful person with the band named Russell Pope, who was like their sixth member. He was kind of like their George Martin. He, he just was such an integral, important part of what they became and who they were, and sure. lyrics and arrangements and booking studios and live sound and all of, he was 
yeah a big part of that so he's sitting at the console and you know their crew are moving in literally moving into like, the studio for seven months but they yeah. you know not just amps and keyboards and guitars but uh lamps and plants and and rugs and pictures and you know they're moving in yeah. and um so I walk into the room and he's sitting at the console and he turns his head to the side and kind of looks at me and he goes, may I help you? And I said, well, actually the question is, may I help you? I'm Lenny Spent and I'll be your assistant on this project. Where can I begin? And his eyes just about popped out of his head. And, uh, <laughs> but not in a mean way. Yep. He'd just never seen a woman in the studio before. Wow. Like, duh, you know. Oh, this again, but um, but they got got over it very quickly, and I'm guessing in retrospect that the they had been asked, "Do you care if you have a woman or a guy?" And they probably went, eh, "I don't know, a, a guy." They right. didn't really. I don't think they yeah. cared, yeah, because I never felt uh, even. That, I mean, that was the only weird thing that just kind of shocked him for a second. He composed himself and then sent me in to, you know, start setting up my stands for the drums and, you know. Incredible. Yeah. What was the, their process in working on that album? How, how much did it differ from what you experienced with Asia? Like, what was the, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I know it's a funny question, but. Very, you know, very different, of course, because they're a band. Yeah. And they had been a band for a while and they had a band house out in and a band management, and they had toured successfully with a lot of records. They were huge at that point, you know. Well, and they, about to become huger. Yeah. Um, uh, Quietest Moments was the record right before that, and um, Jeff Emmerich had been the engineer on that, but he had a scheduling um, conflict, and his uh, protege, Peter Henderson, who had worked at AIR with... Um, George Martin and with uh, Jeff and all yep. um, he said you know I've got this person he's so together and so good I highly recommend him he can do this for you so they write a caribou ranch okay. up in you know Colorado so Peter came in and um, took over yep. for Jeff so when they went to do breakfast um, they had him okay and um so uh that's how that happened but they were all established kind of like a family they all had moved to like topanga canyon or around there moved to america yeah um and um that's quite a commute right from like topanga to the village west, west la it's uh probably half an hour you're just getting minutes. down the hill though <laughs> Well, yeah, there's there's that, but um, but uh, you know, cool. but when they weren't in the studio and their families lived there and they yeah. had they were all neighbors and everybody you know at so it was dinner a cool thing. at dinner break the wives and the kids would come and you know you'd go, all go to dinner sounds and, great um, yeah so um, it was very very different they they did a lot of tracking on together as a band and then they did yes. overdubs yeah 
Yeah. Tell in me fact. About, Yeah, I have so many questions about that album. Like, yeah. like like just like can we talk about the Fender Rhodes sound that's that that changed like You the, mean the Wurlitzer? Is, or the Wurlitzer. Yeah. yeah. Like that the, on like on the logical song or they're different on each one. Ding, but ding, ding. Yeah, what well, kind of effects did you guys use? Was it uh maestro phasers or like what I just want to know if you remember any of the the, the, the effects well, that they used on well, those what keyboards. we did in mixing. Yep. Um and sadly, um they ended up mixing it over at Crystal Sound. They tried mixes at the village, and what they were taking out uh, wasn't doing what they needed it to do for some reason. And we'd been at it for a long time. Everybody's getting kind of tired yeah. and all of this. But uh, um, so the mix process, uh, they tried a bunch of mixes, and so we had it all set up for mixing. And... Um, uh, so as far as the reverbs went, we had um, uh, an EMT. Yep. Uh, we had a digital delay, an eventide digital delay. Yep. We had two slap machines, uh, which is tape machines set at um, sure. two different slap speeds. Yep. Yeah. And um, I think they had two EMTs, actually, because there were six returns. Okay. Uh and um, so they would, and this Done. is something I love to use too, is to create aural interest. You don't use the same reverbs on everything across the board or right. any of that. You These are the subtle colors you paint with, you right. know? And so um, certain things were sent to certain things too. But they created a lot of those effects uh, with slap. And wow. with, uh, with a DDL or you know, or actually uh, phasing or you know any of tape, those sort tape, of things. Tape flanging, even yeah, flanging. Yeah, you know, you could do all. That's what people did there. We didn't so much have flangers and stomp boxes and stuff. Stomp box. No, yeah. it was all hands on, which is kind of fun. Oh, that's yeah. amazing! You know, there's just yeah. so much innovation going on with the, that, and that album just rocked the world. I mean, it's just well, the interesting thing was, and this is, uh, I mean, there are a lot of interesting things, but for this particular time, when it came to recording the logical song, um, here we'd spent days and days getting sounds right and going around uh, to different people's homes who had. Um, you know, Bosendorfers or, you know, different pianos for Rick to play the piano to see, find the right piano. So we finally found the right piano and, and brought that to the village. And wow. um, then um, it took uh, up to 12 days to get the drum sound. Not that we were working on the drum sound for 12 days straight, but uh, we'd work on it a little bit and test it and record it and you know as we were setting up for other things but there was a lot of pre-production in order to get them to where they were gonna you know start recording it wasn't like um, yeah you just set up in a day it, it wasn't you know it was an evolution three, yeah. three hours set up and yeah you know the hit the red button um no uh, so they would record and listen, record and listen until because the drum sound for Super Tramp is a signature sound of Bob Siebenberg. Yeah, and so a lot of dampening that was kind of like, that was popular at the time, or was it a little more mm, open? If you listen to the drums, they're pretty roomy. Okay. Um, I'm going to go he, back and listen powerful. to it. Powerful. Yeah. He's powerful. Well, listen to their other records too. Listen to Crime. Listen to Crime of the Century. Yeah. Uh, as I'm well. definitely going to go back and do Oh, my it and, God. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait. Um, 
that uh, even in the song crime itself, you know, I'm I'm just going through my head. Um, so logical song, they fit. We were on the piano for the logical song, then. Well, no, they had so they had they had determined all the sounds and where everything's going to be placed in the room and all of that, and um, and John Helliwell, the sax player for logical, he was put in the um, bathroom uh, off the control room for isolation so he sat on the toilet with his horn in in the trash bin <laughs> perfect you know yeah oh he, wow it, what a sound yeah well no he was just going in you know proper british and it's so funny and he goes my, my horn's in the trash bin and um but uh so you know with the headphones and all that they could all communicate well so it's time to record and we did one pass and then we did a second pass. And then there was complete silence because we all knew that not only did we get it on the second take, but it just kind of hit home to everybody. Oh, my God, this is, this is big. Yeah. yeah that, that song was almost completely done in the... Tra- basic tracks. I mean, we doubled vocals. Um, we had the Game Boy feeling so digital. Bring, bring. Right. That was a you know, Bob had a Game Boy, so that's what that is. We overdubbed wow. that. Um, not a lot of overdubs on that song. Almost the whole thing. Uh, you know, there's a, some percussion stuff sure. or whatever, but uh, we everybody knew in that room. It was bigger than everything else. You it just felt it. it yeah. I had goosebumps from that. That's amazing. Well, we all did, and you know the the law was that you never played any music that you're working on for anybody else in the studio, or you didn't talk about it, or you didn't take pictures, or there was nothing. You know, it was yep. a safe studio is a safe harbor for yep. artists, so you don't. If anybody made a copy and took it out, you'd be you know. Arrested. Oh, that was a crime. That was yeah, yeah. that total crime. Yep. Um, but this was so good that I went to. Our main manager, night manager, Gary Starr, and I said, this, something really magical happened today, and would it be okay Would if I, you heard it and a couple of the people here, because we knew not not it would never go beyond that but it was like you, you gotta hear this yeah you wanted you, to see what their reaction and was they, be. so after the band had left and with the blessing of the studio manager and everybody swearing not to take it out and you couldn't it's not like it's on a hard drive yeah, it's not yeah. Like, you know you couldn't just yeah. sneak in a copy yeah you know so uh and everybody was professional and so he gave the green light to play it back which was you know a big deal big deal and we all listened and just went oh my god and yeah that so that just set the that's incredible i just the I, I level just, of amazing. that record um just went way up wow that's incredible that that album yeah that's just yeah. Uh, just unbelievable and i'm singing on two of the songs no way and doing finger snaps on good page stranger wow and uh but there's there's a song oh, oh darling and i'm singing the background vocals on the end with the receptionist that's incredible yeah uh she's a singer um robin frederick who's a singer songwriter um but she was working at the village at the time so they said does any, any but can anybody sing here and i said well i can sing and 
doing harmonies. And so Amazing. we're the ones singing on that. And then on a song called Nervous Wreck, on the, there that people are yelling, Go, give a damn, fight while you can, kill. Yeah, we're ready. Yeah, we're ready now. So you can hear this, the one girl voice, and that's me. Wow. <laughs> what, was it, what was it like the first time you heard some of those songs on the radio driving in your car? I mean, oh, well, we'd already been... Um, being an assistant, um, you got to hear, being an assistant at a sound palace like that, um, where at that time, it's important to understand that not everybody could make a record like today. Yeah. Um, the only way anybody walked into a studio uh, to record was that they'd already proven they were worth investing in, that their talents, they got signed to a label, they had um, potential you know, monetarily, people expected to make big money on them. So that was a quality back then that you worked with. It was all that level yeah. and variations of that. So um, you often heard something you worked on on the radio in the first time. It was always so cool to hear the, the radio compression. But quite often in the mix, what you would do you know, as referencing, you had these uh, uh, speakers called oratones. Sure, we, I know yeah, oratones. oratones yeah. And you'd put in the one and you'd put it in mono. Always check your mixes in mono, children. Um, and um, yeah, so uh, you made sure it sounded good in mono and you made you referenced as much as you could. And to the point where uh, I know at, uh, uh, was at the record plant in New York, they had a car up on the roof and they sent tie lines up to it so you could take your mix and play it back in the car that's cool See what it sounded like so the radio compression is pretty extreme so did, did it ever like disappoint you or is it always like wow it just makes it that much cooler i mean it's like it's a weird thing because you know radio compression is pretty major limiting slamming well it uh i don't know if it was a three channel yeah um compression back then or not but and every radio station has its different uh, compression values. I see. And um, this is FM radio. It wasn't serious. Or, yeah. You know, it's all terrestrial radio. So uh, it was kind of consistent in that respect. You usually listen to the same stations, you know, the pop uh, sure. rock stations. Let me see, what were they back then? Uh, KMET, uh, KPPC, and um, uh KLOS were three big rock stations, and uh, so you could listen back on those I see, different yeah. three. So I wonder if the mastering engineers of that time kept that in mind when they were mastering, like what this is going to sound sure. like on the radio. Yeah, of course. They, yeah. What, that that, that would have been their job. Of, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I never really thought about that for a long time because. Yeah, and you always uh, ran an, an EQ'd master. Uh, off of the mastering session so if you needed to cut more parts later you or you didn't have to re-cue it oh, for mastering you had that done uh, on tape and i have a few of those wow from back in the day that's amazing yeah um so uh but that was always very cool so you got used to that but it was particularly fun when you know it, it was always fun wow Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. One of the things I read about you, and I think it's a pretty important point. There's so much here, but um, is that you're the first woman to get a, a RIA award mm-hmm. for, for for Blondie's? Uh, we worked with Mike Auto Chapman. American. Yeah, that's yeah. a huge. I mean, accolade. Yeah, I mean, it's just I mean, I'm the first first woman. Well, do you know how I'm going to uh, approach that? I am the first one recognized. Ah. Because guess what? Back in the 50s and 60s, there were women producers putting together these records at the record labels who never got any credit. Oh, I see. So uh, as far as engineering, though, uh, I don't, to this day, I don't know of anybody before me who made a platinum album. And as far as everybody knows and that I've been told, I'm the first one. But there could be somebody who engineered a platinum record and never got credit for it. Yeah, I don't know who that would be, but so I'm I'm very um, mindful you know, about that. But I I do own that. That's very that yeah you do that's <laughs> yeah, that's very you know humble of you. But um that's that's a huge thing. And um do you have anything to say about working with Blondie? What, what was that? What was that? Those days like? Oh my God! Well, it was very crazy. I have to say for a lot of reasons, mostly Mike Chapman being this um, insane yet brilliant songwriter producer love him yeah crazy madman and i'm not speaking out of school here he he would agree with me and embellish okay that. so i'm comfortable saying that about him uh, i learned so much from him it was a real uh i wouldn't say a love-hate relationship but he there were a lot of things i could bring to him because of my relationship working on all these records and all and my engineering skills that I had learned from working on these great records uh, with these great engineers and great producers with great musicians and great songs. Yeah. You know, that was my goal and, and, and you know, 
Unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, so th- those things happened, and that was very helpful to him in hiring an engineer. And um, and he was going to make me the first woman producer. And uh, so uh, nobody else was offering me that, and I went, all right. I'm I'm in. I'm, I'm in. in. Wow. And a lot of people said, "No, oh, you don't want to work with him. He's going to ruin your reputation and all of that. You know, you've worked so hard with all of these iconic people, and now you're going to do this pop stuff." And I went, uh, "I'm going for it. It just good for you." Yeah, and I'm really glad I did. I learned tons from him, um, good and bad. What, um, what were some of his, his some things that you could like attribute him to uh, helping you look, like? see well, a different different way of- he taught me he was very structured because he, they did a lot of records one after another i did so many records in a row with him that i actually burned out and got sick and had stomach cancer and oh had, had to quit um and that was crazy hours and stuff crazy like that. hours and crazy everything crazy everything yeah and um so however he was so good at structuring and uh okay today we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this and and he was more he was that kind of producer where he was more uh, in charge of where they he he and his cohorts back in england and all they would write the songs and then they would create the bands or they would put things together and and have them record the song kind of like the old real like the monkeys are like a well and so that we were in the era of musicians wrote their own songs and they own um you know performed them all themselves and produce you know and they had a producer but the producer was working much more integrally with the band as opposed to saying you're doing this and you're doing this and you're doing this well he was more of the you're doing this and we're doing it this way and we're you know um which i do not do right (laughs) in my production style it's a different style it's a different era and different time and the artists i work with uh are not like that yeah you know he's not creating inventing them yeah not that he invented a all of them but he invented a lot of, about sure. them well that's what he's known for yes exactly so that's kind of like not what i do but i uh, learned a lot through that whole process and um uh and then when we were working on the blondie record because he had a, a record label for a while so he had a roster of people and we did a whole bunch of records on that and sadly that mysteriously didn't come to pass um so I don't know what happened to a lot of those. Uh, but there were, you know, we worked with Cher and we worked with Tanya Tucker and we worked with... Uh, wow. Um, well, we worked with Blondie and they were all on other labels. And so when it was... I was really sick already with stomach cancer. Oh my goodness. But I knew... Um, that the Blondie record was coming and I wanted that record. <laughs> so I stuck it out. Oh my uh, goodness. Yeah, and... Uh, um, and I'm so glad I did for obvious reasons. And that record was so amazing to work on because every single song is different in the style of the song. So the recording techniques are different. And it was so cool as an engineer to interpret technically yeah. the sounds that uh, 
that those songs were going to take on. And because I had worked with so many great people and had so much exposure, and I knew how to get those sounds, or I knew where to go, or, you know. Where um, did you guys do that one? We did that at um, United Western, which is now East West, okay. and United. So United, which just closed, sadly. Yeah. Um, it was United, then it became Ocean Way, and then it went back to being United. But it was all owned with uh, Western Recorders, which was next door, which is east-west. Okay. So we cut the basic tracks and the drums and all of that in Studio A. and uh, It's a big room, right? Big room. Yeah. Wonderful Klimberg drums. Oh, I love his drumming. So, it was so fun. I was telling Mike at the time when we were approaching how we're going to record this um, and I was saying yeah well I, lo I like to spend time with the Room drummer mics. first yeah. and get the drum sounds and all of that and listen and before we start bringing in anybody else and he goes oh yeah I'm right there with you I'll sp I, I've spent up to three hours on a drummer before <laughs> and I just went, uh, uh, how about uh, 12 days with Super yeah, Camp yeah I was going to say <laughs> um, I'd like a day yeah one day with Clem yeah and so we had the best time and we bonded and we're still good friends that's what great. a great great guy i love but, clem i worked with blondie in new york at the hit factory on two songs oh, for, really? with duran duran nick rhodes uh co-wrote two songs oh with them. great and they were wonderful they were just really fabulous so yeah i, I, I share your um your feelings oh good about, about yes him. well He's, debbie then you know how fabulous debbie is she's amazing yeah yeah just so down to earth so brilliant so kind so real uh, no pretense she was very kind to me during um because it was clear i wasn't well uh so, my stomach was out to here i'm glad you got i'm glad you made it through well, all that but, uh the day after we mastered god bless her she was um she would bring brown rice and steamed vegetables and and uh, we had a separate playback room and i'd lie on the floor and she'd rub my stomach and and we'd listen back yeah it was a good take of, you know the tide wow. is high okay you know oh my gosh but uh, i being in that room and being working i would overcome you know i was just so happy to be there and the songs were the We're tide incredible. is high. I mean, God. Oh yeah. I mean, what a track. I mean, what Isn't a that sound. Fun? Oh my gosh, what a sound. Oh, it was so much fun working on that. Especially, uh, we were, uh, we had Four Walled Studio Three at um, East West Studio Three East West. Now, uh, we did our orchestra for the song Auto American in Studio One, um, but then we did everything else, the overdubs and the mixing in studio three and um so uh when it came to doing the percussion for uh, the tide is high i got alex acuna uh amel richards oh and gosh. ollie brown um you know steve wonders guy sure. i, I uh, told them all to just bring everything just bring everything it's incredible and so they set up and they brought boobangs and they brought Boobams, rather, and they brought every you know, Timbales everything, and everything. And and uh, Alex actually had an actual jawbone. You know how a vibra slap is a takeoff on yeah. a jawbone. This was a real horse's jaw, with the teeth rattling in it. So he would hit it in the beginning of the. I've got to go the, check. You know, after the um, uh, the Timbales, right in the beginning of yeah. the intro of the song, that the first the. On the one, yeah. there's an actual jawbone on that. Oh, my gosh. Which cracks me up. So what I did was uh, I had them 
all set up, and uh, then I had them play three t- passes. So it was like the equivalent of having nine, um, percussionists. nine percussionists, of the best percussionists on the planet in the room. And uh, Wow. Isn't that, I and mean, it, it was and, so joyous. And it translates just unbelievably like that the sound of that mix is just unbelievable my kids when they were like three mm-hmm. five and nine that was like their favorite song i mean everybody loves that song it comes on and you're instantly happy well it because you can see how it makes me feel talking about it yes and that's what it was like to record it and that, see that's what's so important people's attitudes and feelings go right to tape or go right into the recording so you it's so important oh my gosh that to have the proper energy that this is the best thing and this is why we're here and this yes. is this is what we're it's all about for us and this is what people need to understand it's like yeah. you know you, you you put everything into it we're, we're not given a choice when, when you're a real hardcore artist you you, you do it because you have to and exactly you, and, and well you, yeah. same with engineering yeah you know yeah especially now you know at one point it was a quite a viable um career i made tons of money yeah back then (laughs) yeah well it's wonderful though i mean you've changed history i mean these records we've been talking about they're just iconic and it's just amazing to have you here and like we'd love to get you back anytime uh, another time yeah because there's i mean there's a million things i didn't even get to but we got a double episode here already and uh, we're oh, we're so excited, and, to, well, and it's wonderful. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you, know. you for yeah. having me. This was uh, so much fun for me. And, oh, my goodness. And, um, yeah, sharing these kind of stories, of, like you said, are so important because they do put the emphasis on why we do it. Yep. It's not. It has nothing to do with the gear. Yep. Nothing to do it's with the It's the ears gear. and the experience. Well, yep. and the heart. Yep, and the heart. Wonderful. Thank you, ladies. Studio Secrets A to Z signing off. Talk to you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.